0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So let's get to it. Philippians chapter 1, all right? If you can stand and we're going to read from the text and then we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together, with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have had you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending or con- and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. And this is my prayer for you. This is what we're looking at today, verses 9 to 11. This is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Pray with me. God, this morning, as we turn our attention to uh, this text, we're grateful, I'm grateful for it. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the fact that, uh, Jesus, you have revealed yourself to us and that in you we have the fullness of God revealed. If we want to know what God is like, we need only to look at Jesus. And thank you for this word, which bears witness to the revelation of God in Christ. So I pray that as we turn our attention to it, you would be, that it would be active, alive, that it would speak to us. You would challenge us, uh, invite us to who you've always made us and called us to be, I pray. In the strong name of Christ, all of God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So we're in a little mini-series, a three-week mini-series. We started last week, and last week we looked at the beginning of this letter of Paul to the church at Philippi. Paul was a church planter. He started this church, and then he wrote later, at, another, at a later date, to back to them, essentially giving them encouragement and speaking words of affirmation about them essentially telling him about his growing affection for this group of people. And so I want to use this chapter and a couple of sections in it to really kind of offer some of my thoughts as I bid you adieu for a season. Um, And so last week we talked about how Paul opens with grace and peace, two of the most important words that Paul speaks in all of the New Testament. Grace, unmerited favor, blessing, benevolence, abundance, joy, gift, yours. Paul says, grace, the unmerited favor of God, finding its only home in the bounty and benevolence of God, according to one author. So what happens when we experience gift and grace and benevolence and love? Uh, Well, peace, grace and peace, flourishing, wholeness, delight, like fullness of life comes when we experience grace. And so grace and peace. And then Paul says, here's why I'm thankful for you and here's what I'm confident of. And I shared a little bit about why I'm grateful for you, your partnership in the gospel, your good work here in this community, in this church, in this neighborhood, and in the neighborhoods you represent. Why I'm confident that he who began the work in you, God, will be faithful to complete it. Whether you're here or somewhere else, or someday when I'm gone at this church and it moves on without us, like God will be faithful to complete what God has started in us, and we can be confident of that. Why? Because of the resurrection. It's the, prov- it's the approval, it's the stake in the ground saying, this is true about the love of God. So Paul says, I'm confident. That and the fact that there's people who are leading in my stead who are completely capable, maybe more than capable. And so you guys will have, there are seeds that are planted that will now have reason to come up out of the ground. In me, as I step back and rest, there are things that have been in me that will now grow because of space available. And the same will be true of you, right? There's this old story about a a group of nuns who lived in community together, and they had all these cows, and they were grazed in this land, and there were only like four plants that grew in this land, and they were like, they had to supplement the, the, the meals or the food because they weren't getting all the things they needed, Well, one wise person came along and said, why don't you break up the the field into four quadrants and then each year let the cows graze only in one quadrant? And do you know what happened in the other three? Like 37 different plants grew. It's not that the seeds weren't present. It was just that they didn't have the space to do what they were called to do. That's Sabbath. That's what Sabbath does. So that will happen in me and you. I'm confident of that. So today, Paul prays for the Philippians and he offers this short little prayer in verses 9 to 11. And I want to... Draw a couple of things from that and then send you to your Mother's Day brunches, all right? Whatever that includes. So first, Paul says, I hope that your love that you've experienced in Christ overflows in knowledge and wisdom. He says in verse 9 that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, for Paul, in the ancients of Paul's day, the idea of the heart and the mind or the emotion and intellect were one thing. You couldn't separate them. You didn't separate them. When you spoke about it, it was like one idea, heart, mind, together. For us, in our day, we often say emotions over here, intellect over here, and nary the two shall ever meet, right? But that's just not, that's foreign to the Bible. So when Paul talks and he says, my hope is that your experience of love, this emotion, overflows in knowledge and goodness. It's because those, you can't separate the two. If you've experienced one, it will have this affect on your life. So that's what Paul is praying for. That because you've experienced the love of God in Christ, that that would then overflow in the form of knowledge and wisdom, he says. He uses the word overflow. It's on the screen behind me, and it means to be over and above, to abound. So Paul's prayer is that for those who experience the love of God in Christ— the believer, those who by faith enter into this relationship, that that love would not remain in the believer, but that it would overflow into the lives of the people around them. Which is to say, when someone experiences the love of God in Christ, oftentimes it stops there. It doesn't go beyond them. And that's called a country club. Where you get something, but it doesn't do anything for anybody else. Right? That's not the church. That's not what... We see in the New Testament, and that's not what Paul prays for. It's not what Jesus talks about. So the idea is that when you experience this love of God in Christ, that it would have some kind of affect in your life, and that affect would overflow into the world around you. So if you would imagine, this is a pot that I got from my driveway today. We're ready for spring. As you can see, this is dead as a doornail. And the, the dirt in this pot, if you were to come up here, you would know that it is very dry and dusty and cracked and it, is, it lacks the nutrients that would sustain life. And so if you would imagine this pot as the world that we live in, and in a lot of ways we could argue that it is dry and cracked and lacking this, the things that make things grow and that sustain life and flourishing. And so what Paul is saying is that I pray that the love of God that you experience would Fill you up, and then you would be set to go. Just fill to the top. Good for you all. No. That would be a total waste of the love of God. And he says, no, I pray that your love that you've experienced would overflow out of your lives and into the world around you. Why? Because that's what God's up to. That's what God's doing. That's the whole mission of God, that as you experience the love of God, that restoration and redemption and wholeness would flow out of you and into the world around you. That's the whole point And so as you pour out your lives for the sake of wholeness and flourishing and redemption and restoration in the world, that you would then come back to the table, did you know that Eucharist means good gift because you and your life is a good gift for the healing of the world, that you would then come back to the table and this community of people called the church and be filled up again. Why? So that you can be poured out again for the healing and the wholeness and the restoration of the world. That's how the whole thing works. That's why Paul says, I pray for you that your love might overflow. In what? Knowledge. Firsthand, intimate, like body kind of knowledge. It's the same word that's used for the, the intimacy experience between two humans without their clothes on. Everybody following me? That's the same word that they, you know, that Adam knew his wife. That's, you know what I'm talking about, Right? First-hand, experiential, deep, intimate, full-body kind of knowledge of God's love and that that would overflow out of your life in wisdom. The ability to cut through the things that are hard to get through. One of my, well, one of the least favorite people in my life gave me this one, one gift. It would get to the white meat of the coconut, he would always say. And wisdom is the ability to cut through the things that are difficult to see. So that's Paul's prayer. And that's my prayer for you. N.T. Wright says it this way as he comments on this verse. If Christian love is to be the genuine article, I love that, true love for God and true love for one another, it is bound to work its way out in a knowledge and wisdom which is far more than mere book learning. The church has done great at book learning. Everybody knows the right answers. But it's far more than that. This kind of knowledge is a deep insight into the way God's world truly is. A knowledge open to everyone who's prepared to give themselves wholeheartedly in love to God through King Jesus. That your love that you've experienced in God would overflow out of your lives into the community around you. This is low-hanging fruit, friends. We partner with Linwood Monroe School right over here. On May 19th and June the 2nd, the teachers have to pack up their entire rooms and move them so that they can do some renovations, all right? What would it look like for Awaken to overflow into the community? I'll tell you what it would look like. People from Awaken would show up at Linwood and say, how can we help? Why? Because we've experienced something of the love of God in our lives, so much so that it's overflowing into the world for good in the world even to the elementary school teachers among us. Amen, amen? So, write this down. May 19th, June 2nd, 8 to 3. Anyone from Awaken wants to show up and just let the love of God we've seen and experienced in our lives overflow into the schools around us? That's good news for the neighbors. And when Jesus' gospel isn't good news for everybody, it's not good news for anybody. Come on now, preacher Micah. Secondly, Paul says, I pray that you would be able to discern I love this because I love what Paul doesn't pray for. Paul prays that the deep knowing of this wise and tested love will result in moral discernment. Now, Paul and the Philippians lived in a world that was bonkers crazy. It was way different than our world. The Philippians lived uh, in a world where there was hazy and questionable moral compasses that were pervasive in culture and art and politics uh, people were out for their own gain. They would do anything to get their own thing. Uh, sexually, there were all kinds of lives that were um, maybe less than life-giving and completely unquestioned. Nobody asked any questions about it. It was just like, whatever, whatever works, go for it. Politically, there were power plays. People would do anything to get what they wanted. I mean, it was so different than our world. Oh, my gosh, this plant is overflowing. <laughs> That's what happens when you oversaturate a plant. It just leaks out the bottom. I pray that your lives would be like this plant. Unfortunately, I put green food coloring in there to, show, so you could see it all. Note, use water. Oh yeah, so Paul's world's way different than ours, right? Notice what he prays for. He prays for discernment. He doesn't pray for certainty. He doesn't pray that they would get it right. He doesn't pray that they would get all the right boxes checked. He doesn't pray that they would arrange all of their mental furniture correctly in terms of doctrines and dogmas that they believed and affirmed. He doesn't do what most modern Christians do, spend all of their time trying to make sure we get it right. He prays that they would be able to discern something, which assumes that there is a little bit of gray, that there are situations that require nuance and emotionally and spiritually mature people to, to show up and, and walk them through. He prays that they would be able to discern. I gotta be honest, I've spent a lot of my life trying to get it right. And I think we as Christians in a modern, mostly evangelical expression, spend a lot of our time and energy spinning our wheels trying to get it Right? I just don't think it bears much fruit. I'm not saying that what you believe in your head or what you affirm isn't important. It's critical because what you believe becomes what informs how you live your life. So it's absolutely important that you think about those things. But it's a different kind of energy trying to get it right than trying to discern. Trying to get it right is an attitude rooted in fear with the assumption that God is not as good as we think God is and will punish us if we don't get it right. But starting with the assumption that God is good and God is love and God is true and if that if we're after that thing and invite the Spirit of God to be present in that process, then what we're doing is not trying to get it right, but to discern what's life-giving and what's, what's light, uh, like light, not dark. The ancient rabbis of Jesus' day talked a lot about light and darkness. And a spiritually mature person would be growing in their capacity to seek and see what's light and choose that and not what is dark. The word glory in Hebrew is kavod, and it means weighty or heavy. And so the glory of God was about the weight of God, the substantive nature of this being. And so if you were maturing and growing in faith, you were able to discern what's heavy and light. And choose the things that are substantive and that will last and not the things that are fleeting and will be gone tomorrow. My hope and my prayer for you, Awaken, is not that you will be out for this exercise of trying to get it right doctrinally or... Listen, I'm guessing that many of you, if you were to go back five years, believed something then as true that you do not affirm as true today. Anybody in the room? Has that happened? Where you've changed your mind on something? Now, If God had come back or you had died in that moment, you would have been screwed. (laughs) Because you didn't have it right. No, that's not God's heart. That's the antithesis of God that we see in Jesus. So you're on a journey. Good for you. You're growing. You're maturing. That's faith. That's what I long for. That's what I pray for. That's what I hope for. I think that's what Paul prays for. That you would be able to discern That you'd be growing in your faith, being able to discern what's light and dark, what's heavy and not worth your time. And you would be moving towards the things that are light and that are substantive and that are wise and life-giving. Now, that will require the Spirit of God among us. Praise the Lord. According to the text, we've got that one, so check. It will require community. Where you invite people into your life to speak into your life when you don't see something that they can see. That's called vulnerability and trust and friendship. I encourage that. Right? These are the things that it will require for us to grow in this kind of faith. That's what I'm after. I could be up here every week and tell you what not to do and all the things that are right and all the things that are wrong. That's easy. But you're all here and not other places that are doing that. That tells me something. So I pray that you'd be able to discern Dokimazo in the Greek. Lastly, Paul then says that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which sounds really boring, right? (laughs) I pray that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. What on earth is righteousness anyways? Like who says that these days, right? Nobody. So what are we talking about? What is righteousness and then what's the fruit that comes from it? Righteousness, according to the text, is a legal term. And it means that you have approval, in this case, from the judge. The one person who can adjudicate, who can judge, the judge, approves of you. You're in right standing with that person. There's nothing between you. There's an intimacy, a closeness, right? So if you translate that to what Paul's talking about... There is a divine approval when you are righteous where there's nothing between you and God. You're in in right standing with God. And according to the text, and what I would affirm is that way has been made by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. By faith, we enter righteousness, this this relationship where we're connected to God again. Then, when you're in that place, that you would have the fruit of that. Well, what happens when you live from there? means when you look back on the divine face, there is a confidence that comes because you're in right standing, because you're in relationship with, because you're partnered with God for good and hope and justice in the world. There is a confidence that comes and a lack of fear that comes for you to walk towards whatever demanding and difficult and situation you might face. Let me see if I can make this a little bit more down to earth because we're up in like the Theology 201 section um, imagine you're at a playground, right? Kids are playing at the playground these days. Everybody's out running around. Be careful on the side streets, friends. Lots of kids out there. You're at the playground, and the kid, the youngster, he's, this, is all new, this is all new to them, right? And so they see the monkey bars, this grand task, this great, daring adventure of crossing these things, and they're not sure. They're a little afraid. Like, can I do it? And what do they do? If you've ever watched children carefully, they often look back. For who? Mom, dad, guardian, trusted loved one who stands behind them. They look back waiting for approval. Waiting for, yes, you can do it. I believe in you. You have everything you need to do what's in front of you. Go, you're safe. You might break your leg, but we'll get it fixed. Right? That's what they're looking for. And then when they have that, when they turn around and they get that, they stand square, most of the time, when it works out great, uh, they stand square to whatever it is they face, and they walk towards it with a new confidence because they have that. There's a group of kids around here, and I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but on Sunday mornings, sometimes between gatherings, there's a couple of them, and they come up the stairs over here, and they usually, most of the time, they stop, and they look back at mom and dad, who are usually right over here, and they're like, is it okay? And mom and dad look at me, and they're like, pastor, is it okay? And I'm like, yes, let the kids have fun! Like, if kids don't find, if they don't connect God and fun, we've failed. As a church. That's my sermon for today. Okay? If kids think God is boring and mean, we've failed. Sometimes they come up to the communion and they're like, can I have some bread? And I'm like, yes, eat as much as you want, but don't drink the wine. (laughs) So they come and they look back to mom and mom looks to me and I'm like, yes, and she's like, yes. And so then they come up here and they just dance. They twirl and they spin around and they, why? Because they have the fruit of righteousness. They have approval. They're safe. They belong. Their parents have blessed them and said, go. And so they let it rip. I love it. Don't tell them that we know, all right? But just watch. They have the fruit of righteousness. They have that sense of belonging and approval and yes from their parents. And that's what Paul says. I pray that you would then have, you'd be filled with the fruit the confidence, the approval, the blessing, the, the standing square on your feet, shoulders to whatever it is in front of you, knowing that you have righteousness. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're like, that sounds amazing. Um, this whole, like, being poured into so that we can participate in the healing of the word, that sounds amazing too. And if you don't have that, I would offer to you for your consideration this story, this good news about Jesus the Christ. That righteousness and approval and yes from the divine so that you can be partnered for good in the world comes by faith in Christ. And I pray as your pastor, like Paul, that you would be filled with the love of God, that you would experience all the way down to your toes a full body knowing of what God's love is like so that the affect would be knowledge and wisdom, the ability to live discerning lives, good lives, fruitful lives, And you'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That when people meet you, they would find confident, hopeful, joyful, love-filled, gracious, generous people. Why? Because you have the fruit of righteousness. That would be payday for me. I could just call it quits and never do it again. Die and take me home now if that happened in this community. That's my prayer for you. That's what I long for for you. And so as I go, no, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm trusting God to continue to do in you. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure about this or you're checking this out, come along for the ride. Belong before you believe. Try it. I would suggest to you that if you do, you won't find a better way to live your life. Everybody follows something. Everybody has an anchor. The question is, what is it? I would just suggest to you that the person of Jesus, the life, the death, and the resurrection of this person is the anchor. And it is the most sound intellectually, philosophically, spiritually, as you'll find out there. And it will bring life. Why? Because Jesus says, this is how to live. This is what humanity was meant for. This kind of life where you give up your life for your." sacrifice your life for the sake of others, for the sake of love. It's this way that will lead to abundance. So that's our invitation. That's my invitation. And I hope and pray these things for you. So let me offer a word of prayer. I'm going to give you just a few moments of silence. And we do this because I think silence is a gift in our culture, in our day. Just like a couple of minutes of quiet for you to think is a gift. So let's move towards that. God, as we think about and consider Paul, in this letter to this church that was thousands of years ago, how appropriate it is for us today. And as one of the pastors here at Awaken, I pray that we would know deep to our toes and to the tips of our heads the love of God in Christ, that we would be filled up by it, that it would overflow out of our lives, that it would be the motivator, it would be the generator, it would be the source of any good or any love or any act of forgiveness, mercy, or justice from us, that it would be from you. And that as we pour ourselves out for the healing of the world, that you would pour yourself out in us. So God, as we take a few moments of silence, would you meet us wherever we are? If we're people of faith, challenge us. How is your life overflowing? What's one thing? If we're not people of faith yet and are considering, Holy Spirit, would you speak whatever words we need to hear, whatever comfort needs to be given? So Holy Spirit, come. We trust you. Find us online at www.awaitingcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Community. See you and next time. time.